welcome to another fun-filled episode of Three Peas in the Podcast. I am Artis. I am Mike. And we are uh, Three Peas in the Podcast. We're uh, a P short this this week. Uh, we had a call out from Joe, but he'll be back with us next week. Um, this week on the show, it's a bird, it's a plane. Actually, it's T-Mobile CEO John Laguerre with a skywritten message for Verizon and AT&T. Um, it's 2015 Apple's most successful year ever. Well, they certainly seem to think so. Um, and also, the Senate has actually passed the controversial uh, cybersecurity bill, CISA, with an overwhelming ratio. So we'll talk about what that means for you. Um, plus, of course, the tip of the week and Mike's plug. But first, we want to introduce our returning guest, uh, acclaimed author and uh, cybersecurity expert, Mr. Richard Lowe. How's it going, Mr. Lowe? It's going well, thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us again. Um, anything you want to say to everybody before we get started? Let's just get started. All right. Will do. So the uh, very first thing, of course, is uh, T-Mobile right now has the, uh, the, the best, the, the, the most momentum in the mobile world. Uh, they've actually gained about 2.1 million customers uh, in the last four months, last quarter. Um, second to them was Verizon with a little bit over 400,000. And AT&T actually lost about uh, 800,000 customers in that same amount of time. Uh, they haven't seen much growth, but right now, what everybody's attributing this this uh, wonderful momentum to is John Laguerre's audacity and just pretty much just willingness to step outside the box to do what it takes to make customers uh, get customers back in charge. Um, so he had a skywritten message for AT and T and Verizon that pretty much told them to uh, stop the overage charges. Um, so it pretty much. It's just calling everybody out for, you know, doing their overages that T-Mobile stopped a while back. Uh, so, Mike, Mr. Lowe, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, um, I use one of uh, T-Mobile's other brands, uh, MetroPCS, and they changed to the T-Mobile network a while ago. Right. And wow, did it get better. <laughs> it was, it's, it's amazing. Well, that's good to hear. That's, like, that's what they were going for, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I you know, in the old network it wasn't great, but once um, T-Mobile acquired MetroPCS and put it on a new network, it was really good. And there's no overage charges, there's nothing. It, it it's great. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> if only everybody else would jump on board. That's true. Yep. That's true. Well, they took some of that AT&T money and and definitely upgraded the network. Yep. And it's probably going to get a little bit better. There's another Spectrum uh, bidding uh, war that will be coming up in the next year or so. Uh, so more than likely, T-Mobile will be looking to add more towers and more Spectrum. So that network is probably just going to keep growing. And I've always said if they can ever get their quality to match their innovation, they will by far be the uh, be the best carrier to, uh, to, to subscribe to. Um, by the way, speaking of the uh, other carriers, right now uh, AT&T and Verizon aren't very happy with with the whole uh, T-Mobile thing and, and also Apple's uh, upgrade program, right now T-Mobile has actually attributed most of their growth to the, uh, the upgrade program through Apple. Um, their financial uh, chief pretty much uh, was quoted as saying, we love it. Uh, it's interesting, it's simplistic, and it brings customers more options, and it's been a benefit to us. Um, so again, they've added about 2.3, actually, 2.3 million customers in four months. Um, they they're by far, I mean, the, the fastest growing the fastest growing uh, carrier. Um, so right now, AT and T and Verizon have uh, a couple of of couple of uh, statements that they've released. Verizon said that if Apple finances the phone, we don't have to. But the problem comes that if the customer has a negative experience, they'll expect Verizon to take care of the issue. I don't think the ecosystem was fully thought through. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Well, that's technically not true. If the customers are going to finance the phone through Apple, then pretty much Apple is going to take care of all the issues regarding right. the phone. Now, the Verizon will be responsible for the service aspects of the iPhone, but phone-wise, hardware-wise, it's going to be Apple. Right. Mr. Yep. I, I completely agree. It's going to go straight to Apple. One thing I think that that, uh, that statement doesn't necessarily uh, take into account is if it's one thing that Apple is focused on and one thing that they stand by, it's definitely their customer experience and the opinion of, of their service. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a company that will stand by their product, you know, more 
uh, more definitely than Apple does. Um, but to quote AT&T, they actually have a little bit of hypocrisy in this statement. If you if you uh, think about it, their statement was, uh, I don't think it's a good deal for the customer. This is their financial officer, John Stevens. Um, I don't think it's a good deal for the customer paying for the phone, but not only owning it. Um, but I'm just a finance guy. So if our management thought the customers wanted leasing, then we do it. Now, that sounds a whole lot like the AT&T Next plan, which is almost the exact same thing, a lease to own program. So what do you guys think about that statement? Well, coming from a, as a CFO, that statement doesn't make logical sense in, in a way, because technically speaking, if you're doing the AT&T Next program, you are leasing the phone for a set period of time. Right. Unless you make all the payments on the device, then it becomes your own. Right. Well, AT&T is a competitor to T-Mobile, so I wouldn't expect them to be saying T-Mobile has a great idea. And it's just par for the course. Yeah, pretty much. And what were you, you expecting a competitor to say? <laughs> right. Well, that I mean, that's that's coming. They're going against uh, just straight against Apple in that statement, just saying that their program isn't that good. But ah. it's actually a little bit better considering that the phone is automatically unlocked when you get it. Um, especially, for, you know, so that's good, especially for those traveling people. And also, uh, they only have a 12 month program. So, you know, whereas AT&T offers 12, 18 and 24 months, Apple, T-Mobile and Verizon right now are offering and Sprint are offering only 12 months. So if anything, I would think that the next plan is a little bit behind. Oh, AT&T is the only carrier that offers three options. Yeah. Verizon, uh, re- Couple months ago, just started offering only 12 months. I think 12 makes more sense. Uh, a lot of consumers change their devices after a year anyway, especially iPhones. Well, the point of the program was to upgrade early. So if you still give people the option to do it in two years, that kind of defeats the purpose of changing the program, in my opinion. Doesn't really make much sense because people were complaining about two year contracts. So why offer a two year term to do <laughs> the payment? It doesn't make sense. I guess if it feels cheaper for a customer, do it. But yeah, but it doesn't feel cheaper because now they're paying for the phone, and they, you know, of course they've always paid for the phone, but they don't, they didn't know it. So now, you know, oh, you got, you telling me I got to pay for this phone for two years? So you know, it doesn't really. I think it doesn't uh, translate. Well. I think agency may follow suit. I mean, they're going to have to to stay competitive. Well, they will. I mean, losing almost a million people in four months—that's not—that's that's not good. A lot of that's a lot of consumers. And all the while, not only did you lose that many, but you pretty much stayed uh, stayed right neutral, you know, as far as growth goes. So that's that, that's not good. What do you think, Mr. Lowe? I think you're absolutely right. I was just reading the article here while you were talking. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating here is the chum rate, which is the rate you lose customers. Right. It, for T-Mobile is very, very low. Um, they're only losing 1.4%. 1, 1. Yep. Sure are. And that means that their people are satisfied with the service and want to stick around. And based on my experience, that would be true. I've been with them now for what three years. And see, I think part of that too is just you know wanting to see what they're going to do next because you know with Verizon and AT and T, you've kind of come to expect the status quo. You know, the they're everybody's offering offering the same devices, and you know the plans kind of don't get changed around that much. But with T Mobile, you kind of don't know what they're gonna what they're gonna do. Um, next. So I think, you know, part of that people staying around is probably some intrigue as far as what's coming next. Yep. And then as far as the two, the one to two year lease on the phone, people are replacing their phones pretty quick now anyway. So it's probably a good idea. I agree 100 percent. I don't. That's And that's why I was saying it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to really keep that option around the two year option. Anyway. We can, oh, sorry, not to cut you guys off, but we can always look at the AT&T loss of customers that the almost a million customers being contributed to the the one year options at the other carriers. Yeah, could very well be. So I definitely think some kind of a change is on the horizon. Because if not, then I mean, you know, why the whole point is to stay competitive. So they got to do it at some point. Um, so moving on, Apple has called 2015, of course, so far their most successful year ever. That's a quote straight from Tim Cook himself. Um, so they they made a whopping two hundred and thirty four billion dollars this year. Um, and that's, of course, you know, the last quarter of the year is always their most successful because that's usually after the phones come out. 
course, they have the Apple TV that just got released, which is doing well, and then the iPad Pro, which is coming out. Um, so right now, they actually have more money in the bank than the entire Czech Republic, uh, Peru, and New Zealand. New Zealand, sorry. Um, that's they have more than they make per year. Wow. Um, so <laughs> that's a lot and, of money. Uh, right. So their cash increased by uh, 2.8 billion in the last three months alone. Um, which is mostly attributed to them selling 48 million iPhones in the last quarter, um, which is 30% increase of the last of the same period last year. So right now they have, uh, again, they I mean they've got tons of cash right now, and I think this next quarter is gonna really really increase that. <laughs> what do you guys think? This is all, um, but prior to the iPad Pro coming out. Right. So this is, just to be just to be clear, this is uh, June, July, August and September. This is that's Apple's third quarter. Just to be clear, their fourth quarter is October, November, December and January. That's their fourth quarter uh, fiscal 2015. So technically speaking, it's you said June, July, August, September. Mm-hmm. The first three months is iPhone six sales. And then the last right. month is iPhone six S sales. And really only half of that month because the phone came out on the 17th. Wow, in September. So, I think that Apple's on track to become the first trillion-dollar company. That's what analysts are saying, <laughs> and I mean, there's nothing to suggest otherwise at this point. They're not that far away from that number. No, they're not. I mean, if they keep making 234 billion dollars every four months. They'll be fine. Well, the sales in China are going to push it over the top. Yep. Especially since it was available on lunch day this time around, nobody had to wait. So, um, you know, we touched on that last week, how, how well they've been doing over in uh, the Asian com- country. So, of course, China is the biggest mobile market. So if you can conquer that market, you can pretty much conquer the world. That's true. The, the, this article says 48 million phones, iPhones mm-hmm. within the last quarter. Yep. And keep in mind, once again, now that's... That's really, like you said, mostly sixes up until September the you know, 17th. And then from here on out, it's going to be all six S's. Six That's a lot of phones. It's like. a lot of phones. <laughs> I mean, that's more phones than a lot of uh, manufacturers doing a whole year. Yes. Yes. And they've still got, you know, wow. they still got their, their most impactful uh, months coming up here. So. It remains to be seen where they, where they finish up, but it's definitely looking good over in Cupertino right now. I'm sure there's a lot of smiles. There's a lot of smiles. There's actually on this article a picture of Tim Cook with one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen a person I have. So he's living good right now. Um, and speaking of the 6S, by the way, so Apple has a new program where uh, they're trying to cut down wait times in their stores at their Genius Bars. Um, so they launched uh, this past week, they launched a new program, which is for the 6, 6S, 6 uh, Plus and 6S Plus. Um, and it's in select stores across the U.S., Europe and Japan. So this um, this program is basically instead of completing all repairs in store, um, a lot of the phones, you know, need extensive repairs. And the Genius Bar, um, they can use their discretion and they'll ship the phones off to an offsite repair center. Um, and it's three categories they go by. So if the device is unable to connect to a computer, if it won't power on at all, or if it uh, doesn't boot up past the Apple logo. So if you get stuck in that boot loop, uh, that's, you know, that world famous Apple loop, um, they'll send it off site. Now, they will also be giving you a loaner for the time of that uh, repair, which is a 16 gig iPhone 6. So that's a pretty decent program. That's actually that's actually great. You never lose service. Right. So people complain about, you know, I don't want to have my phone sent off. Now it doesn't matter because you'll have a phone to use in the meantime. Actually, that's way better than actually actual phone insurance. Right. It's way and, and it doesn't, you know, certain and and these things that they're that they're using the uh, not connecting to the computer and powering on and getting in the boot loop. That's not uh, that's hardware failure. So that's stuff that will be covered up under the year warranty as well. Now, are these only customers that uh, that have purchased the Apple Care? protection plan or is it just everybody no this is as long as the phone is covered under either apple care or the year uh, limited warranty so that's actually a very good program to get a longer phone yes it is it actually kind of makes me wonder why they just let you, don't let you keep the longer phone and, and just do a swap yeah I, i'm 
I'm sure probably that that's that might be something that they may explore on like a case by case basis, uh, depending. But that that does make a lot of sense to me. But then again, I, I guess also they're on, since they're only doing 16 gig loaners, most people have at least a 64 gig. So ah. maybe that that might be why. But that might be something that they'll probably amend in the future. Um, well, well, yeah, because without doing that, they've got this second half of the loop where they have to get the customer back in and replace the phone and stuff. Right. It seems like they could eliminate that whole thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Just replace it and then refurbish the one that they get back. You're going to have happy customers. But anyway, it is a good program. Well, and also, it takes away the the, the well, the rep's time in the store from fixing that device yep. dead in there. Make another sale. If they, if they, yeah, pretty much. So it's a pretty smart move on their behalf. Yep. I'm interested to see if any uh, you know carriers follow suit with their insurance plans or if, if any other manufacturers follow, follow suit with their uh, limited warranties as well. Um, so that's, that remains to be seen. Um, now, before we get to the uh, the controversial uh, CISA bill passing, we do want to um, remind everybody that you are able to uh, keep up with Mr. Lowe. Um, we have uh, his author page on Amazon at coolauthor.com. We have his website at thewritingking.com. We have his security book at leavemealone.com. Um, his disaster survival book at realworldsurvival.com. And his personal blog is richardlow.com. And of course, he has the awesomely titled uh, Safe Safe Computing is Like Safe Sex. I love that title. Um, so is there anything that you want to um, tell everybody about keeping up with you, Mr. Lowe? Uh, yeah. Give me one second. Okay. I, came, I came out with a new book. Awesome. That's what I was hoping you would say. Yep. It's uh, just bringing it up now. Okay. It's um, Help My Boss is Wacko. <laughs> Please tell me more about that one. It's uh, tips to help you deal with unprofessional behavior from the boss. It just I just released it. Okay. And it just has some examples of unprofessional bosses, you know, everything from the boss who's harassing to the boss who's um, a raving lunatic. Um, and what, what do you do about it? Just just some things, you know, I've, I've encountered some of these bosses and some friends have had them. It's a short book. Uh, something you could read in a couple lunches, um, and it gives you some help to deal with those people that you run into in life. And sometimes what you got to do is just leave. Right. And so, sometimes you can handle it. Awesome. Well, I mean, I'm sure you know reading your book, they'll, they'll, we'll be more equipped to handle those situations. So definitely look forward to checking that one out. And, and the, the other news is the book Real World Survival Tips. Um, is on sale for the next week at 99 cents on Kindle. Awesome. Nice. Now, is that is there an e-reader version of that as well? It's available on the Kindle only gotcha. and, and in paperback. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Um, now, where can uh, just uh, where can we find the uh, the boss book again? Just go to coolauthor.com and it lists okay. all the books that I've published, and you'll find it there. Wonderful. All right, so we're going to jump into uh, the tip of the week, then we'll get Mike's plug, and then we'll let Mr. Lowe wrap us up when, with this CISA act, because that's, of course, uh, the biggest thing coming out of this week. Um, so the tip of the week right now is how to use the 3D Touch on your iPhone 6S and 6S Plus to peek at web pages without actually having to open them. Um, so when you get on a... When you get on a link, uh, like through your email or text or browsing the web, um, you can actually just press hard, you know, with the 3D touch on your um, screen on that link, and it'll actually open that preview in a new window. So if you hang on there for just a second, it'll actually show you that web page, and you can swipe up without lifting your finger, which will bring up a menu of further actions, such as like uh, opening the link in a new window, uh, copying it, or adding it to your reading list or notes. Um, you can also return to what you were originally looking at just by lifting your finger, or you can press a little bit harder and it'll open that web page um, fully for you in a new window. So that is our tip of the week. And now we'll have Mr. Mike with his plug. Hey, how you doing, folks? Uh, tonight I will be plugging an object. It's called the Nereus Smart Outlet. So pretty much basically, uh, you guys pretty much all know about connected homes 
this is a connected plug. So pretty much it runs off of Bluetooth, has a 30 foot, 33 foot range, connects to your smartphone, uh, connects to iOS, Android. Uh, with the iOS, you can control up to three of the smart plugs. Uh, with an Android device, you can control, control up to seven of these smart plugs. Uh, so pretty much a lot of people complain about with the connected homes where you have to have it connected to your internet connection at all times. With this, all it requires is a Bluetooth. So for those who are looking to completely cut the cord when it comes to electronics and have it remote, be remote control, this is a perfect solution for you guys. Uh, I'm gonna get the, trying to get the pricing for you guys. Uh, it's available right now for $39.99 US dollars. And they actually have something on Gizmag, which, which I found the article on about it. So you guys need to check it out. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Mike. And of course, we don't have Joe this week, but we'll get the answers to last week's trivia and our new trivia question uh, on next week's show. Um, so just a little bit of stats real quick before we jump into uh, the CISA bill. Um, so based just recently, um, you know, with the threat of cybercrime and all that kind of good stuff, there was a recent survey that went out and it pretty much found out that nearly three of four adults, uh, about 74 percent to be exact, in the United States say that they have recently changed their online behaviors due to these threats. Um, so the most common changes are they're not conducting as many transactions um, on shared networks or shared computers. That was 46 percent of those uh, those survey takers, and they've changed their they're changing their passwords a lot more often and not giving out their personal info or using public Wi-Fi. Um, now, not only have they changed the behaviors, but the perception of security is also different, which Mr. Lowe actually touched on last week. Um, so, due to the increase in data breaches, you know, on these major corporations and things like that, uh, you know, the perception of just you know being safe and being secure just has changed a whole lot. Um, so 23% of people, uh, actually that was a 23% increase in 2014 uh, from 2013. They haven't quite done it for this year, but uh, so that's, that's going up. And then 81% though of these people still have not invested in any kind of online theft or identity theft protection. So that's, you know, if people know about this stuff, people are changing their behaviors but like Mr. Lowe mentioned last week, the main thing is protecting yourself. Um, so I do want to uh, just let him have the floor real quick and just give a quick little um, opinion on that. And then we'll jump into the bill itself. Mr. Lowe. Yes. Well, I've been doing a lot of research on cybercrime because actually I'm writing, uh, updating another book by a big company that they um, give away for free. To, from 2010 to 2016, it's called Cyber Heist. And one of the statistics here is a single Eastern um, uh, Eastern European cyber mafia group managed to get 350 million dollars from a single company. Wow! Just through just by doing spoofing, which is and um, other techniques, ransomware uh, and other techniques to get money from people. Wow. If you're familiar with the concept of ransomware, it's it's where your computer is hijacked and you have to pay some amount of money, usually $500, to get your computer back. Right. And they're making hundreds of millions of dollars off of it. Good Lord. People are actually paying this stuff, huh? Uh, apparently. <laughs> Just a few, right? <laughs> if for if At that amount of money, it's more than a few. Right. <laughs> but, you know, your, your, your choice is to throw your computer away. Or pay the money. Right. And paying the money doesn't always work, is my understanding. I'm not sure I would do that. Having a good backup is a better solution. I agree. A good offline backup. You have to keep it offline. If you have it online, it can also be infected by the ransomware. Oh, okay. So I didn't I didn't actually know that. I thought any backup would be fine. So. No, so a lot of people have another hard drive that they always keep turned on and they copy files. The ransomware will zap that hard drive. Gotcha. And some people will copy over networks too, and the ransomware will catch that too. You actually have to have it on a hard drive or some CD or something that is offline that you put in a closet and only back up once in a while. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, very important tip. 
<laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I was, yeah, that's very important because a lot of people are taught, you know, just any backup, any kind of um, like vault pretty much is okay, whether it's online, offline, or, you know, combination of both. So got to stay offline. And I just had a long conversation with the folks at Carbonite, which is a online backup utility. You install it and forget it, and it backs up your system. Yes. And they can actually recover from ransomware. Oh, okay. So oh, that's, those, pretty, <clears throat> that's actually pretty cool. They keep multiple versions of the software, of the data they back up. So you can call them up, and they'll work with you to get your data back. Well, that's good to know. So, so all is not quite lost <laughs> when that happens, then. If you're smart enough to do back a good backup, um, either using something like Carbonite or LiveDrive or one of the other products, or an offline backup, such as a hard drive or DVD or Blu-ray. If, if you don't do a backup, then you're pretty much stuck. Well, that's uh, we deal with that quite a bit, too. You know, even like in cell phones, people just not backing their stuff up. So, you know, this it doesn't get much more important than, than what Mr. Lowe is talking about. You've got to keep your data backed up for sure. Well, on cell phones, it's even easier because both the Android and the iPhone, you just turn it on. Right. <laughs> it's just right in. Yeah, it's it's built in. So there's there's not a lot of excuse there other than you didn't know. Right. Or some people just don't think that they'll ever need you know have a need to do so. What, yeah, until what? until they lose all their contacts and photos and everything else. Right. They always have that one photo that they just have to you know life or death. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely got to keep that backed up. Um. So just to throw out a couple more stats uh, at you guys. Um. So right now. Only 50% of consumers said that they trust the retail industry with their personal data. Um, and even less than that, at 41%, said they trust the government with their information, which is, you know, a good segue. Um, also, 93% of these survey takers said they would like the public and private sector, private sectors to do more when it comes to fighting cybercrime. So they said they would like to see more money invested in the uh, cybersecurity or increase the number of people who are uh, who are qualified and who are uh, salary to handle this kind of a thing. So there's um, you know different different tips you know as far as like creating stronger uh, passwords and things of that nature. Um, you know not opening email attachments or uh, things like that. Um, keeping your firewall up to date. You know blocking out those viruses. Um, and also, you know, just a tip, most companies don't ask for any kind of personal information um, through email. A lot of times they will call you or send you actual, you know, correspondence through the, through the uh, U.S. mail to do so. So if you get an email that's asking for a social or anything like that, more than likely it's something that you don't need to put your stuff on there. Um, so, you know, you guys uh, have any thoughts on all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, when you get an email that has a link in it that says come here to fix your account or whatever it says, or the IRS, you owe the money to the IRS. Don't click on the link. Just actually go to your browser and type the link in yourself. Right. That way you can log in and usually you'll find out there's, that their email's totally bogus. I usually (laughs) just delete them and not even worry about it. Yes, that's the best practice for sure. Also a good way for when you're browsing uh, stuff online, usually if if it's a secure website, you'll get a lock at the top. Yeah. And sometimes it'll be green or a different color to let you know that it is secure. Yes. That's important when you're on, very important when you're on wireless. Yes. And my book goes into that. Yeah, you were talking about that uh, email attachment thing last week. A lot of, a lot of people fall for that. That's called uh, phishing, right? Well, phishing is where... Uh, somebody will send you an email and then say, you know, you need to log into Bank of America, and it the the website that you click on isn't anything to do with Bank of America, and it grabs your password and username, and then sends you over to the Bank of America site saying password failed, so you never even know until, of course, your account's drained. Oh yeah, oh yeah, wow. That's that's called phishing, and there's multiple types of phishing. Um, spear phishing is where, for example, is where you uh, a hacker will actually investigate who's at a company, find out the names of the CEO and things like that, and then send tailored phishing messages to each each person in the company with information that makes it seem more real. Oh, that's, that's, that has happened to a couple of my people in my email address book. 
Right. So you might get actually get a letter that actually seems to be from the CEO with his name and personal information that makes it seem like it really is him. And that's called spear phishing. And that's usually done for espionage purposes. That's some pretty heavy stuff right there. I mean, they're put, he didn't put in so much work just to not do the right thing. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yep. We dedicate so much time and effort into just figuring out ways to just... You know, just screw people out of their out of their hard earned money. And things I like think that. I think the people who uh, perpetuate these crimes are just banking on the fact that maybe four out of ten people don't actually pay attention and will right. pay. Mm-hmm. And then well, the, of course. the other six are pretty much like have either it has either happened to before or are educated enough to know it's a scam. Well, to infect a company, all it takes is one. Yep. Sure, those are, I'm sure that's their biggest uh, target audience right there, just that one person that will get it and, and bring down the whole company. Well, yeah, then you're heading more into cyber terrorism and cyber warfare type stuff. And that's when it gets really crazy. Yep. Indeed. So you start seeing stuff kind of like uh, with, the, with the whole North Korea thing with Sony and all that stuff earlier uh, this year that we dealt with. This is crazy, man. Yeah, if you really want to have some fun, read up on the virus called Stuxnet, S-T-U-X-N-E-T. That's a cyber virus that is believed to have been created by the United States and Israel to attack Iran. And it is nasty. I bet, oh, wow. I never heard of that either. I bet it is, yeah. Just look it up. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's very specific. It was specifically targeting the centrifuges in their nuclear program in Iran. And it was very successful. Wow. It's very successful. Uh, it caused the motors to to fire wrong and actually caused the centrifuges to rip themselves out of the ground. That's crazy. And, you know, they have that uh, that, that little threat right now with Russia, um, you know, thinking of threatening to uh, mess up the underwater pipelines for, you know, the fiber Internet going on around here, too, which is another scary thing to think about. The whole U.S internet grid going down that would be an interesting day <laughs> yes it would be there would be a lot of depressed people that day like most companies yes. wouldn't be able to function around that's here. true a lot of companies do run strictly on internet yeah. oh just imagine your average teenager without a cell phone that's terrifying enough right <laughs> and you multiply that by like a few uh, hundreds of billions of dollars and then it gets real crazy yep <laughs> I guess if you're not uh, hardlined in you're screwed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Have to try to think of a uh, an alternative uh, alternative source or something uh, for that internet. Um, now, just to jump into the CISA real quick, because I want to let uh, let Mr. Lowe jump into that. Um, so the vote was last Tuesday, and it was an overwhelming uh, result. The uh, support was seventy four to twenty one. Um, so. None of the Republican candidates uh, who are running for president, except for Lindsey Graham, whoever that is, nobody really, there's <laughs> only like two candidates is really going to do anything. But anyway, um, she wasn't, pre- uh, she was present to cast a vote, but nobody else was. Um, Rand Paul actually was not uh, either. But uh, yeah, 74 to 21. So that's pretty big. It's not even close. Um, so everybody's up in arms right now. So Mr. Lowe, what do you think happens next? Well, the bill itself just allows the home Homeland Security to collect certain kinds of data. One of the alarming things is one of the amendments to the bill actually says under emergency conditions, the federal, federal government can get sensitive data that is not anonymized, meaning they can get data with your phone numbers and stuff like that in it and find out who you are in, a, in an emergency situation. Wow. They they define what an emergency is. So I, I figure that. <laughs> well, they are. Uh, I mean, overall the bill's pretty weak, but the amendment there is where the the privacy problem comes in.
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's that's just that's crazy. I mean, just to think, you know, how they're always talking about protecting data and things like that, and they pass a bill that literally allows them to do quite the opposite. Well, they're trying to build up a database of cybersecurity threats, and I think that the the idea is sound, but the bill wasn't made. It doesn't look like it was made by computer people or people who know what they're doing. It was made by government bureaucrats and um, maybe even espionage people. And and it's really just – it's very weak, and it really doesn't do very much. There's really not a lot to be afraid of with it. It's just, it's just kind of um, something that they threw together to placate people. That's the word. Right. So pretty much, if you're uh, if you're deemed a threat now, they have all right to pretty much harass you. Well, to get the data about you, this doesn't give them the right to harass. This is more of a data collection bill. They're building up a database um, similar to the medical database that the Obamacare is building up of patterns of threats and things like that, so they can hopefully predict where attacks come from. Gotcha. Yeah and find out more data about attacks and what kind of attacks and so forth. But it could have been a better bill. It may have started as a better bill because you know how committees are. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, just looking at some of the comments and things like that, um, like Edward Snowden, uh, that guy, uh, you know, he said that a vote for CISA is a vote against the Internet. Uh, people are saying that you know it's it's this is the day that the internet has died and things like that. <laughs> um, and then you have other people, you know, other people who are you know bigger companies. Go figure. Are saying we applaud. Whereas there's uh, the American Banking Association and the Telecommunications Industry Association. Um, they said uh, we applaud the Senate for moving this important bill and uh, urge Congress congressional leaders to act quickly and send this bill to the president's desk. So apparently there's a lot of um, there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of optimism that um, Obama will be signing this into law pretty soon. He will almost certainly sign it. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that kind of kill the, like the Freedom of Information Act? So technically that's like a regular person obtaining information about about a government. Wouldn't that kind of kill that? Nothing to do with each other. This is a bill to allow the government to collect data about security, control security problems, unauthorized accesses, personal um, things like that. Freedom of Information Act lets you get information about a government program or a, or a government document that's classified or something like that. Gotcha. They're, they're two different things. They have not, really nothing to do with each other. Got Good it. question, though. <laughs> yeah, I see where you, I see where you're thinking, Midas. Not bad, not bad. <laughs> um, so there's a few security researchers who uh, have actually come out against the bill. Um, so they were saying that it, was, it pretty much does very little to improve surveillance, um, and that it instead would spread, of course, you know, the user data broadly across uh, the, the the you know the, the database of um, the IT systems for the government. So pretty much just you know confirming what you said, Mr. Lowe. Yeah, what I'm hearing from my security friends is it basically is just more of a smokescreen. And one of them here um, actually calls it the AT&T Verizon Protection Act, kind of humorously. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I don't – a lot of bills go through and people get all alarmed about them and maybe they should. And certainly we should discuss it, but this isn't – a bill that I would be super alarmed about. It's I'd be more alarmed that it's pretty lame. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if we've got cyber attacks like Russia and, and not Russia, I mean North Korea and things coming in, we should be doing something a little bit more strong to protect ourselves, like the electrical grid and and the internet itself. Right. And just based and, off of uh, what I read when with the whole North Korea hack, uh, apparently that was. A very easy thing for them to pull off, which is another thing that's kind of scary to think about. Oh, internet hacks like that are almost trivial to pull off. They're almost frightening in how trivial they are. Right. 
Uh, uh, Distributed denial of service attack is easy. That's that's pretty scary. (laughs) That's that's where you get multiple computers, sometimes hundreds of thousands of them, all attacking the same target at the same time. Right. Usually they are trying to bring a server down by just overwhelming it. Wow. So just uh, a whole bunch of just... uh, Attempts on those uh, servers just back to back to back, pretty much. Well, viruses take over computer systems, personal computer systems, not necessarily to take information from you, but to actually take control of your computer to use it in distributed denial of service attacks. DDoS attacks. Yep. DDoS attacks, right? Yeah, DDoS. Yeah, I watched uh, the show on USA called Mr. Robot. (laughs) It's like one of my favorite shows. So, yeah, those, so those so those they're called botnets, and sometimes they have millions of, of systems that are all all have viruses on them, and their purpose is to be able to use those to make distributed attacks. Mm, gotcha. And to and spam uh, is they can work as spam um, relayers so that spam goes through your system and out. It becomes very hard to trace at that point because it's going through a million different systems. Right. So it just gets lost in translation. Well, yeah, and that's one of the things about getting your system infected is it's not just you that it's infecting, but it actually becomes a tool for the criminal. And that's actually, uh, since you said that, that's almost to the T uh, what Tim Cook was saying um, as far as you know, keeping out the good guys and the bad guys. You can't really do can't keep out one and leave the other, you know. Uh, so that's almost what he said exactly. Yep. I mean, I run um, a firewall and three antivirus programs on my computer all the time because I don't want to be infected. <laughs> right. <laughs> Clearly. And I have multiple backups and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I I use this for my living, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure your setup is pretty awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a Windows machine, so it you know a little different than you guys like, but it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> it does have sixteen cores. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I have a uh, I got a, a special made one myself on my Mac that has uh, sixteen as well. So. Yeah, mine was custom oh. built. Yeah, mine too. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, I do videos and things, um, but anyway, Sissa, you know it's it's. I think it's a lot of to do about not very much. Right. There's there's things in it that you you might be alarmed about. It's probably, but it, it's really not. It doesn't go far enough. Right. To secure the internet, and it's the wrong direction. Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus. There are a lot of holes and a lot of problems with the internet that need to be fixed, and this doesn't do anything for that. Now, I do have a question for you. Um, speaking of that, do you think that they're going to make it better? Or do you think it's just you know, something to do? Well, IP6 is coming out and is being slowly rolled out. Um, IP, TCP IP, which is the, the, what the Internet runs upon, is turns out it was created back in the 70s, 1970s, and it's not good enough for the Internet. I could go technical, but I'm not going to. So they created something called IP6, which is a better version. It's more secure. Um, and as that rolls out, and it's going to take years, the, the security of the Internet will improve. They're also putting improvements on domain names and things. But when you're talking about billions of devices out there on the Internet, it takes time. Right. You can't just say, oh, wave magic wand, the Internet's now secure. <laughs> you were talking about smart plugs. Well, there's a there, there's security issues with those smart plugs. Um, you know, a hacker can take can, can take advan- uh, take control of a smart um, plug or a smart uh, light bulb or a smart alarm that's on the internet, right? And have control of those things. Now, I'm not sure that it, I care if a hacker has control of my smart light bulb, but uh, <laughs> maybe I do care if he has control of my smart alarm system. That is true. And that's called the Internet of Things, and that's becoming very big. Your smart plugs are an example of the Internet of Things. Right. And that introduces a whole lot, a whole bunch of new security concerns. How do you patch those? How do you keep them up to date? Do you firewall them? Blah, blah, blah. 
So it just creates more and more stuff that needs to be protected. And and then you're talking tens of billions of systems and hundreds of billions of devices on the internet. Right. It just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's amazing that it all works. You know, you think about it, it's amazing. It all works. Yeah. Well, one of, one of my major concerns is with everything being connected is that if hackers can hack into your smart bulbs and your smart alarms, they can definitely hack into your car if it's connected oh, to the, the car is a big problem. Yeah, I mean, the, like we were, I think we were talking about last week where the cops could stop a car. Yep. They have they have that whole show dedicated to it, the uh, bait car thing. Well, if a, stop, a cop can stop it, so can a hacker. Yeah, that can stop it more. Uh, <laughs> and what, what about the cops? Do they have these things too? Do they have smart cars? Maybe the criminals can stop the cops' cars that are chasing them. I mean, it becomes a whole bunch of questions that need to be asked when you make these smart things right well you know their their uh dash cams and then the body cams and things are already connected to a lot of online servers so you know that if you have certain criminals i mean you know you're looking at uh you know messing around with legal documents and things like that as far as you know you know stuff that could be used in court oh yeah well i think this the body cams and dash cams are great because now it's no longer a he said she said situation it's uh you can actually see what happened and then right. come to a judgment based on real data. Um, but um, yeah, exactly what you said. If you if it's on if it's online, it can be hacked. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, and you know it's not that hard to change video. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they can hack into the server, I mean, changing the video is like you know just turning the light on or something at that point. Yeah, or deleting the video or right. whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like when you said it's a bill to protect AT&T and Verizon. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of my friends. He says it's the AT&T Verizon Protection Act, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> I mean, just based off of the things that, you know, just the, the, the statistics of it and things like that, I mean, it, it almost sounds like it. it really does. Yeah. Well, also, uh, it, it came out a couple of years ago that AT&T helped write the program mm-hmm. for the cyber was it called a cyber stalking or whatever it's called? Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, they are, you know, they're connected all the way around because even with the uh, emer- with the emergency, like the police and fire trucks, things like that, you know, nine one one as an emergency number was created by AT and T a long time ago. Well, so they're connected there. I mean, a lot of the spectrum uh, is stuff that they own for these uh, for this equipment and things like that. Even though that you know, even though other people use it, uh, most of it is owned by AT and T. So. They're connected a lot of different ways in this thing. But I think the important thing is is not to live in fear, but in, and that's what my, I wrote my book for, um, Safe Computing is Like Safe Sex, is don't live in fear. Just protect yourself. Just do the things that are smart. Put in a firewall. Put in some antivirus. Don't click on a link. Um, all, there, I have hundreds of tips in there. It's Just change your habits and don't be afraid if you've got a good backup, you don't need to be afraid of anything. Right. For example, you can recover. If you don't have a backup, well, then maybe you should be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So basically what I'm hearing is your book and the author, you, are pretty much going to save the world. Well, we're going to keep you from being afraid. If you, <laughs> I'm not going to necessarily save the world, but the world shouldn't be afraid. Um, there are things to be afraid of. I would think, but even then, don't be afraid. Just learn about it and then counter it. Right. You know, I, I'm I'm might be afraid of the cyber terrorists getting in and ha- hacking my system, so I'll just put up some firewalls and things and make sure that they don't do that. Yeah, there you go. Not be afraid. Fear is not a very good thing to be in. Don't be afraid. Be prepared. Exactly, and that's the whole subject of both of my books, actually, Real World Survival and safe computing is like safe sex well um I, which i got to admit is a great title <laughs> it's, it's an awesome title uh, it really is yeah, um but i mean honestly it's you know more most people are just taught you know to be afraid of this kind of thing and you know to try to avoid it but you know as as you demonstrate it's more so just knowing how to counteract it and just be prepared for it well, we'll learn about it. Right. Actually, read and look up the words in the dictionary, and then 
read about how to prepare for it and then read about how to counter it. And instead of just thinking your computer is something you take out of the box and it's safe, well, it's not. You, maybe you need to do some things. And right. Windows or Mac or Android or app or iPhones, whatever. Right. And learn and then find out what the threats are and then how do you counter them. And that's, that's what you do. One of the things in my real-world survival book I talk about is situational awareness, for example. Instead of being afraid, just be aware of your surroundings. Right. Muggers look for people who aren't aware. That's very true. People, I mean, the knowledge, uh, you know, that's, that's the one thing that can hurt them. Well, they're looking for people who are staring off into space or aren't paying attention. So if you're aware of your surroundings, they're not, there's a less chance that they're going to mug you because you're aware of the surroundings. Right. You might remember their face. You might see them. You might hit back. But if you're half asleep while you're walking, well, then you're a target. Right. And that's, that's really what the security thing is, is be aware of the situation and prepare for it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, with your book and, you know, other tools out there, one thing about it is, um, you know, I, and it's looking at the stats that, that I read, you know, different people looking at different ways to change their habits and things like that. I mean, there are people that are getting more educated about it. Unfortunately, it's not on as large of a scale as it probably should be. Um, But, you know, the fact that the numbers are going up is, you know, I think a a pretty decent uh, trend. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up, guys. Uh, Mike, you got anything to add? No, I'm good. Mr. Lowe, you got anything to add? Um, Nope. Uh, It was a good show. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's give a round of applause to Mr. Lowe. I'm taking a bow. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, for Mr. Lowe, for Mike, and for the absent uh, Joe, I'm Artis, and thank you so much for joining us. We'll holler at you next week. Have a wonderful evening.